You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fan list, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Sorry my voice is a little weird today. Also, sorry for getting this out a little bit late, but I did stay home sick, which means I slept in a little bit, which means late podcast. So before we get into the nonsense, allow me to once again remind you that uh, 150 is the goal. If we get to 150 five-star iTunes reviews, we will be doing a live stream of the draft. I can say confidently at this pace, it's not going to happen. (laughs) I think I've gotten about a review a day, and we've got 20 days and 31 reviews left. And to be completely honest, I'm probably going to need a couple days to prepare. So Sunday or Monday of that week, like the 21st-ish, is probably going to be the latest. Otherwise, I appreciate the reviews. By the way, that doesn't mean don't review because we're still shooting for that 200 mark, and once we hit that, which is going to happen eventually, whether it's in a week, a month, 10 years, I don't know, I'll be doing the PFF giveaway. Thank you. I've got all the names of the people that have been leaving reviews and giving me their names. I've got a big list going. So keep those coming in. But again, if that is an interest to you, I'm planning to stream probably YouTube as well as um, uh, the Facebook group, if I can figure out how to do it. I think i got a way to do it. I just I haven't actually done it before, and... Um, I know how things go. When you think things will be easy, they usually aren't. So anyways, if you're interested, we got to step up the pace because it's just not working right now. Which is fine. I can eat pizza by myself and just watch it upstairs. Not have to worry about commenting on things. As much as, to be completely honest, I'm kind of looking forward to it. But anyways, that's that. Please leave a rating and review. I would greatly appreciate that. Otherwise, be sure to get into the Facebook group. Link is in the description. Otherwise, if you'd like to call with a question or uh, like to get something off your chest, Feel free to call 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. I do it one more time since I messed it up, but that's also in the description. You can go ahead and find it in there. All right, so let's go ahead and discuss the elephant in the room. I'm kind of, I guess, a little bit torn on exactly where to go with this. A very large part of me wants to use this as vindication for a lot of stuff I said, including yesterday. Right, Yesterday was Kumbaya Day for Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy came out, said a bunch of positive stuff about himself, and everybody followed suit and said, see, Mike McCarthy's a great guy, you guys are all a bunch of dummies. And I said, no, sorry, not really buying it. Maybe I'm wrong, be happy to clarify that if I can get some comments from people that are trusted or whatever, including Mike McCarthy, which won't happen, but you you understand my point. I'm just looking at the information, and as best as I can tell, things weren't exactly well. Well, On very rare occasions, I say things, and things just happen to fall right into my lap, and this story certainly was one of those things. Everything I said, which was contrary to what everybody else said, was about to become mainstream in about an hour when everybody read this article and decided, you know what, maybe things weren't all great. Now, this was a lot worse than I would have expected, and it was beyond painful reading it, because even if, and this is kind of the direction I want to go in a minute here, even if we filter this with the... Some of this is probably just flat-out nonsense, and there are some very legitimate concerns that are being brought up, which I'll try to remember to get. I keep saying I'm going to get to, and there's going to be eight things, and I'm going to remember two of them. Well, all right, let's just say it now so I don't forget. Number one, Aaron Nagler I saw pointed out, and I tried to stay away from Twitter because it was just absolutely toxic yesterday, which is saying a lot for Twitter, which is just nothing but toxic. But there was a portion that he had snipped out uh, in which he said something to the effect of players were upset that McCarthy didn't cut Bostic, and he says something to the effect of, well, that's interesting, because you would think that people in the know would know that McCarthy doesn't cut players. So it does raise some questions, like, well, who exactly is this person that was mad at McCarthy? Because you would think players would not be mad at McCarthy for not cutting Bostic, because they know that McCarthy doesn't cut uh, players. Which means either the source is kind of a garbage source, or the writer didn't exactly get the story correct, in which case the whole story is kind of suspect, which it kind of is. So it's kind of weird. How did that make it? I think the other one that is very strange, that a lot of people pointed out, was the conversation in which Mark Murphy, as the story goes, called up Aaron Rodgers and said, just so you know, we hired LaFleur. Rodgers didn't respond. There was a dead silence. And McCarthy goes on, or uh, Mark Murphy goes on to say, don't be the problem. Don't be the problem. 
who exactly relayed that information? Because we know two people were in on that conversation. Maybe, maybe somebody else was in the room with either Rogers or Murphy. But who in the world is going and telling Packers reporters about this? Because let's just say Gutekunst is involved. Why in the world would Gutekunst feed a story like this? This is not a good story. Can you imagine being Adrian Amos coming into this and wanting to be a part of this? Can you imagine if this story dropped prior to pre uh, to uh, free agency, the impact that would have on players saying, I'm not going over there. It's not, not a great situation. That not I can't think of too many people that would feed this. Aaron Rodgers would never leak this. Murphy would never leak this. Gutekunst would never leak this. Nobody in their right mind has any reason to do... Who, who said what that conversation was, right? So the, the, there's all kinds of stuff. But anyways, getting back to my original point, even if we filter out a lot of this, this is still not great. And again, there was a part of me that wanted to go through this to really highlight how bad this is, can be, could be, might be going forward. But I don't really see the point, especially spending a couple minutes on Twitter and just seeing how toxic it is. I think I'm going to more or less ignore it, which seems ridiculous because as massive as this is, this is very easily, I could go through this article and just that's an entire podcast and talk about how upset and angry and disgusted and worried I am. Again, even if 10% of this is true, there's concerns here, but I'm not going to go that route. I think both McCarthy and Rogers have been beaten up real bad. And look, my whole general philosophy on the offseason is that it's a time for optimism because there's no reason to be anything other than that. You have 32 fan bases for the most part, we'll call it 25 or more, that all have this mentality that this is going to be our year. This is going to be great. Everything, these improvements we're making are going to be awesome. We're going to be contenders. We're going to be playoff contenders. We're going to be Super Bowl champions, whatever. That's what this is time for. All these problems are problems with the past. And we can we can take two different opinions. Well, three, if we want to have the, I guess we'll wait and see. But number one, let's face it, nobody wants to do that. Number two, I having a podcast can't do that because wait and see just means I'll see you in a couple months. I kind of have to talk about the future. That's the whole point of what I do here. And I also can't promise that I won't reference back to this article on occasion because it does have some information that might be relevant at some point or another. I just think I want to let the dust settle a little bit. I do want to point out one thing, though, about the article that does not make me very happy. And I've said several times, I don't really know a lot of these guys, a lot of the reporters or whatever. I know their names. I, I, don't, I don't read their articles. I don't know who's the good writers, the bad writers, who has good takes and bad takes. I just don't keep track and don't really super care. I got upset with Rob Domofsky when he went after Jimmy Graham that one time. That did not make me happy. And a lot of people are really praising Tyler Dunn for this article. Uh, well-written, I guess, I don't know, I, whatever. Sometimes I think well-written is kind of like, uh, kind of like the Oscars or, or people who talk about really well-made movies. Most of them are trash to watch, but I'm sure there's some artistic component that I'm just not understanding, but I also don't really care because it's trash. And I will say that there's a lot to be impressed with about this. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not going to go after his throat about the unnamed sources. I get that that's just how it works. I don't like the fact that you have a bunch of people who are being condescending on Twitter, acting like everyone's too dumb. That's not the point. We all understand that's technically how it works. It's just a matter of whether it's right or not. But I understand why some people would be anonymous. And I also understand from Tyler's perspective, you have people that you trust telling you, and then they say, hey, just don't put my name down. If he says, then I can't put it in the article. He doesn't have, he just has a lot of information that people are going to want to know, and he can't tell anybody because he has some rule that he made up. And then he also doesn't have a career. So I'm, I'm not super upset about that. There is one tidbit, though, I really don't like. I want to read it real quick, and I'm sure you already know because it's probably the most popular part of this whole 17,000-page article. But it says, quote, About once a week, a meeting would start up, and McCarthy was MIA. Players weren't quite sure uh, where he was, while, for example, an assistant coach would run the team's final prep on the Saturday before a game. Eventually, word leaked that McCarthy, the one playing calls on game day, was up in his office getting massage during those meetings. One player had the same massage therapist. She let it slip that McCarthy would sneak her up a back stairway to his office while the rest of the team prepared for that week's opponent. That paragraph right there, not great. Now, apparently, people had reached out to McCarthy, and he was kind of laughing about it, like, look, this is silly, man. This is, this is not a thing. But d does Tyler and his editor 
and maybe the person who talked to the media about this understand maybe what the implication of that might say, what that kind of sounds like. As much as we know about Mike McCarthy and how much he loves his family, if there's even a 0.01% chance that his wife reads this and takes it the wrong way and starts to be upset, do you think maybe we could just leave that part out? Do we have to put in McCarthy would sneak her up a back stairway to his office? Are you kidding me? Again, I I am 900,000% sure nothing was going on that shouldn't have gone. I'm not I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I'm just saying it sounds really bad. You say that kind of a statement about the wrong person and their wife is going to take that the wrong way. And that, I mean, th- this could cause a serious rift in the guy's marriage. You want to talk about him being a bad coach, getting kind of lazy, getting kind of whatever. I mean, come on, man. There's 75 pages here. You got 75 pages with 14 different sources doing nothing but trashing McCarthy and Rogers. This is just an absolute slaughter. And you got to give him some credit for having the guts to be somebody that looks people in the face and then turns around and stabs them in the back. You know, I mean, I, I guess you give him credit for that. I'm, I'm sure he's met McCarthy and Rogers on occasion, talked to him, smiled at him, looked him dead in the face and shook their hands and then turns around and unleashes this on him. Which, again, that's his job, and it's something that we want to know about what's going on. He's given us some insight, but there's there's a couple times where it's a little bit too much of a knife in the back, and it feels like this is about advancing your career at the expense of other people. In this particular paragraph, although it seems like this isn't going to cause a problem, I hope it doesn't, this should never have been put in the article. Especially now that you've got McCarthy saying that never happened. You've got players on the team like I think John Kuhn saying I don't know what in the world you're talking about that never happened I never heard anything about that including other allegations in here like I I don't even know what team you're talking about I never experienced any of this I never saw Rogers act like this I never saw McCarthy so some of this is a little kind of iffy any why please don't put that in the article you've got a real juicy article here that's going to get you all kinds of praise from the national media and everybody sucking up to you about how great you are as a writer and all this stuff because you went and wrote a big trash fest, you know, starting up a gossip column on Bleacher Report. So congratulations to you. But can we leave that part out? Even if we just skip that one paragraph, if you just said word leaked that McCarthy, uh, the one calling plays on game days, was up in his office getting a massage during those meetings, and then skip to that was when guys were like, what the heck? Because shortly after that, it talks about how, you know, sometimes coaches have problems with their back or whatever. Can we skip the part about the massage therapist let it slip that McCarthy was sneaking her up a back stairway to his office? I just, when I read that, because that's, I read that and it was like, whoa, what, what, wait, what happened? And my immediate next thought was, I really hope his wife doesn't read this. Because that's got to make her at least a little bit uncomfortable. Again, even if you're 99.99% sure that McCarthy's never the kind of guy that would ever do that, it just puts a little seed in the back of people's brains that doesn't belong there. It's unnecessary to put this in the article. It just, I, I just found that to be extremely distasteful. I mean, really, the whole thing technically could be, but fine. Again, I can understand up to a point why you have information, you're relaying information, but at some point we're not talking about football anymore, and it's just kind of, I don't know. He wasn't in meetings is... is bad enough. So that's the only specific thing I really want to address. Otherwise, I mean, what are we looking at? We're looking at certain people, certain perspectives, and we're talking about over the course of, what, 13 years, all boiled down into one article? You can make a lot of stuff look real bad if you boil down all the worst points over the course of a dozen years and boil it down into one article. Certain instances, certain things that people are still upset about, certain comments that were said that maybe shouldn't have been said that are also taken out of context, that are also third-hand accounts. You boil all that down, and this is what you're going to get. And I don't think there's too many locker rooms you're not going to find this. And again, the, the destruction factor of other people hearing this and thinking that the Green Bay Packers locker room is uniquely horrible, I think is a little bit unfair. Even though I've said it, it might be a little bit uniquely bad. It does need to be fixed, and this is why I've been talking about problems within the locker room. But I think this is worse than we thought, or it sounds worse than we thought, because it's just really just, again, it's just boiling down just the negative. And again, why is this just coming out about the Packers as opposed to other teams? Well, because everybody wants to know what's going on. When people are asking the question, somebody's going to go out and find the answer. Everybody wants to know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Everybody wants to know what's going on between Rodgers and McCarthy. Why did it go wrong? What happened? 
And listen, if you want something to be true enough, if you look hard enough for something, you're going to find it. People have done this with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. People are already talking about what's going on over at Pittsburgh. That sounds like a nightmare as well. I guarantee you, if somebody comes out with an article like that over in Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger and what's going on with the coaches over there being, you know, lazy and hands off and they're not disciplining their people, you can find it. Especially if your your full scope is find people that do not like the coach, find people that don't like Ben Roethlisberger, find people that don't like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown get their perspective on those people and let them go back over the course of 10 years and see what they can dig up and then boil that down into one article. This is what you're going to get. And again, some of this is real bad. I don't know how true it is. I don't know to what extent. You know, the comments about Aaron Rodgers still being mad about not being picked. Okay, but how mad? He legitimately hates Mike McCarthy and always has because of that moment? Or does he just bring it up once in a while and, and people are just like, dude, seriously, let it go. But he wasn't actually being mad. He just talks about it. So I guess going forward, there, there is a small part of me that's definitely concerned because it just feels a little volatile. There's kind of a question of, okay, where do we go from here? I think the right steps have been taken. I think regardless of the specifics, it was, a time, it was time to make a, make a break between McCarthy and Rodgers. I think everybody fully acknowledges that. For whatever reason, who's at fault, any of that kind of stuff, it's just not working. The offense wasn't great, and we know it. Is it because he's not putting in the work? Is it because he's being lazy? Is it because he's not innovative enough? Is it because he's, quote-unquote, low IQ? It doesn't matter. What McCarthy did for this team was incredible. He built an incredible offense. If he did that as a low IQ person, fine, then he did it. But for whatever reason, it worked. Now it's not working. Now it's time to move on. This is a very common theme throughout the NFL, and it always happens. It happened with Dom Capers, and it's going to happen with everybody. The NFL is just going to move on past you at some point. Then you lose your job, and somebody that's younger and innovative that understands today's offense gets hired. That's just what happens. So he needed to go, and he went. Dom Capers needed to go, and he went. Ted Thompson needed to step aside, and he did. We got a new GM, seems to be a very good GM, seems to be of the mind of Mark Mike, Mark Murphy. Too many Mikes and Marks and mix seems to be of the same mind uh you know trying to you know instill a culture because i I think a very apt part of the article is the fact that you used to have you know leaders in each area and you know as i've said before we got a lot of young guys it's hard to have young guys step in and establish themselves as leaders i think jair has what it takes but is he going to do that in his rookie year of course not you can't expect rookies to be leaders i don't know if veterans would even allow that that's is that even allowed so, so we need good culture guys. We need good leader guys. Uh, we need a new coach that's innovative. We need a guy that's that's you know cares for his people and challenges his people. I mean, we're headed in the right direction. Maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's not. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. But tough decisions needed to be made. Tough decisions were made. McCarthy said after the fact, "I've moved on from Green Bay, and I think we need to move on from Mike McCarthy. Let it go." Now, is Aaron Rodgers going to become a terrible person and everything's going to fall apart? It's possible. But he's not going to come into it that way. Because ultimately what I said last year is true right now. Some, somebody that I was talking to, a friend of mine yesterday or the day before or whatever, we are talking about how, you know, why didn't Manning, when he basically ran the offense in Indy or, or ran the offense uh, in Denver, why didn't he get the same kind of criticism that Aaron Rodgers gets for calling plays in the huddle or changing plays at the line of scrimmage? I'll tell you why. Aaron Rodgers ran an offense that didn't work, ran a team that didn't make the playoffs, and uh, didn't get along with a coach that just got fired. Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl and then retired. That's the difference. Because what I said last year, and months ago, and weeks ago, and days ago, and what I'll always say from now until we find out the resolution of this, winning solves everything. If you've got a bad locker room, you know how you fix it? You win. You've got a bad relationship between a player and a coach, you know how you fix it? You win. That's it. There's, there's other dynamics. I mean, you, you can look at Van Pelt and Rodgers, and that's a genuine relationship that probably would have been able to hold on through the bad times. But turmoil creates turmoil. That's it. The Packers need to be focused on winning. And if there's one thing we all know about Aaron Rodgers is that he's competitive and that he wants to win and that he also expects a lot from people. And if people are doing their job and if people you know, work hard and put in the effort, there's not going to be a problem. Something else to think about. It, 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 as much as I say it's about winning, it's, it's, it's a lot about winning, but it's maybe even more so about what I just said a second ago. 
Think about this. Run the table comments. Relax comments. Those came out in times when things were bad. Why? Why was Aaron Rodgers not the bad guy in those situations, but yet last year when things were bad, we didn't get a, a, a comment. We didn't see a, an optimistic Rodgers. We saw a pouting Rodgers. Why? Same thing I said last year. Because he's not manifesting things. He's just relaying information. When he said relax, he meant relax because he saw a team that was working. He saw that things were fine and people were reacting incorrectly, and he corrected us. You guys are, are incorrect. I'm telling you to relax because this is a good football team and you need to relax. When he said run the table, he was, he was on a team that had been on a massive losing streak. Why would he even say that? Again, this isn't a leadership moment. Everybody's wrong when they say that's what it was. He was just being a good leader. No, he's telling the truth. He simply saw everything they've been building toward and trying to get. It just clicked, and he saw it, and he said, I'm telling you, we finally get it now. It's finally working, and I think we can run the table. Now, he had no idea if they were actually going to run the table, but he genuinely felt confidence in the system. He felt confidence in the people around him. He felt confidence in his coach, his coaches. Everything felt right, and he was right, and we went right into the playoffs. So again, the most important thing is winning. The second most important thing, if things aren't winning, everybody better be working. Everybody better be doing their job. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be people just doing what they need to do. And as long as everybody's working towards something and everybody's doing a good job and the coaches are coaching and the, the players are playing and people are progressing and, and you know Gutekunst is supplying the team with what it needs and is trying to build around Rodgers and doing all these different things that are required to win, Rodgers will respect it, he will work within it, and he will be an optimistic leader. Not in a rah-rah sense, but the kind of guy who's willing to step up and say, I think this is a good team, I think we have good players, I think we have good coaches. And if we don't, we're not going to get that because he doesn't believe it and he's not going to lie about it. So is it possible some of the toxicity that might be in the locker room causes problems next year? Yes. Is it possible Aaron Rodgers' um, you know, inability to be flexible and allow things to not be perfect and allow people to not do what they need to do and allow coaches to make mistakes and just, just operate within a system, keep your mouth shut, your head down, and do your job? The fact that he's not that guy, can that be detrimental? Yes. Is it also possible that that level of desire to be the best coupled with a bunch of young coaches who want to aspire to be the best with a bunch of young players who want to be Hall of Famers all come together and all rally around that exact attitude because that's the attitude a team does need to have? Perfection, greatness, Super Bowl, that should be the target. Not kumbaya, do your best, everything's fine. Is it possible that that actually works to our benefit? Also, yes. And look, at the end of the day, it's just a group of guys that come together all trying to find a, a common ground and, and a, a achieve a common goal, which is winning. And we all know that. It really The, the two most important things are, were, and always will be Gutekunst really doing a good job in this draft, LaFleur doing a good job running this team. If those two things hit, this team is a Super Bowl contender. If those two things miss and Gutekunst does not do a good job as a GM, and LaFleur does not do a good job as a coach, we could be in trouble. Those are the keys. Not Rogers' attitude. That's not going to be the key. That can be a factor, but it's a factor dependent on the other more important factors. The draft coming up is significantly more important to me than Aaron Rodgers' attitude. The storyline is a stale team that had bad draft picks, and this is the result of that. When, when you have a, a coach that is not innovating and you have a, a, a GM that is not drafting quality players, the team is going to fall apart. And yes, the head coach, or excuse me, the quarterback is going to get frustrated. And when people get frustrated, there's tension. And people fight and people argue and people get petty and people get catty and they... So what? It's over. It's time to build new. And that's what we got to do. That's it. And at the end of the day, it's the Packers are one of 32 teams, and they're either gonna they're they're gonna range somewhere between the number one team and the number 32 team, and they've got to navigate their own issues just like everybody else has to navigate. The, the Packers are not in as bad of a situation as the Jets, as the Bills, as the Dolphins, as I mean, it, even amidst all these quote unquote problems, I still would say that they're probably a top 10 team in the NFL. If we just have a decent draft and a head coach that is able to maximize the talents that we have, if we can just get Aaron Rodgers back to playing like he did in, in 2017 before he got hurt, 
we've got a really good football team because there are almost no teams in the NFL that have a, a quarterback as talented as Aaron Rodgers. Maximize that. Maximize that with our coach. Maximize that by, by adding talent. And we'll be fine. Aaron Rodgers does not wake up and say, I just want to be toxic. He doesn't just go to Green Bay and say, I, I can't wait to trash this. He goes there because he wants to win. He's got all his money. If he doesn't want to play, he doesn't have to play. He wants to be great. So what? He's not happy that he's only got one Super Bowl. He's not happy that he didn't go number one overall. Great, he's competitive. Got it. Move on. Fact is, this is this is the off season, so this felt like an opportune time for Tyler Dunn to drop the the real world Lambeau Field edition or whatever. I, I don't know. That's how hip I am when I think about drama TV. My mind goes back to the real world, which is like the original. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what there is now. Real Housewives of Lambeau is that still a show? Real Housewives of Green Bay, I guess it would be. Whatever, you get my point, right? It's concerning. It was not fun to read. I understand why he dropped it. I don't think he should have written exactly everything he should have written. I don't think a lot of these sources should be saying a lot of stuff that they're saying. I think James Jones uh, kind of was correct when he said, as a man, I feel like if I have a problem with someone, I should tell them directly, and these people are not going to him and telling him directly. Now, Jennings apparently did try to talk to him. I don't don't really know. But at least he's being public about it. Some of these people, presumably, I'm going to assume one of these sources, these anonymous sources, you know, I don't know, maybe like the guy who said he was cut out of Aaron's life. I'm assuming there's at least a family member mixed in there somewhere. And again, I'm not trying to defend Rogers. Maybe he's a garbage person. I don't know. I don't know and I don't care. The only thing I know is that Aaron Rodgers and I are never going to be best friends and I'm okay with that. He's the quarterback of the Packers. I'm a Packers fan. I just want talent in those uniforms and for those uniforms to run around and score more points than the guys in the other uniforms. This is not the Green Bay Aaron Rodgerses. This is not the Green Bay Mike McCarthy's. This is not the Green Bay Brian Gutekunst's. It's the Green Bay Packers. Regardless of who's running it or who's running in those uniforms, I want to see that team be successful because I'm a fan of the team. I want those guys to just go there and do their job and win. And Aaron Rodgers, maybe more than anybody else, is the guy that wants the exact same thing for a different reason, but I don't care. We both want the same thing, and that's a good thing. So whatever. My only hope is that this is not damaging. This is not damaging to people coming in who are thinking, I made a mistake coming here. This is not damaging to other people wanting to come here. This is not damaging to young guys who are thinking, I, don't, I hope I don't get drafted by Green Bay. And then if they do, thinking, man, I don't want to go there. I don't want to play with Aaron Rodgers. Wide receivers reading things that were said about Jeff Janis or whatever, saying, I don't want to go play for Aaron Rodgers. I don't want that. And again, not trying to attack Tyler Dunn, but I wonder if he realizes this or cares about the potential implications of things like this. My hope is that this doesn't do any damage, and beyond that, let's just move on and go win football games. How, how, how horrible is this for Matt LaFleur? As he's got players coming in, he's trying to coach them up and like build this, this locker room environment. Suddenly this bomb just gets dropped right in the middle of their locker room. See, now I'm getting ups- Now I'm upset. Now I'm not happy. All this work, all that has been done to try to help things, firing people and keeping guys out of the locker room, keeping premium talent like Antonio Brown, not bringing him in just for the sake of protecting the locker room. All the things that are done, the guys that we do bring in, the Zadarius and Preston Smith, we bring them over here, and it's it's a positive thing. It's a great thing, and they're great leaders, and it's going to be mutually beneficial, and we've got a new environment. we got new, 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 new. We don't have to dwell on the past. It's a new day. It's a new era. you got people talking trash about Mike Daniels, and you got an article that's talking trash about Daniels, and you got all this stuff. and uh, Whatever. Hopefully he gets a giant raise for his efforts in uh, destroying, helping to tear down the Green Bay Packers, helping to pollute the locker room, helping to undo all the work that Gutekunst has done, helping to undo the progress that maybe LaFleur and, and Rodgers have made, helping to create tension, helping to cause problems. I, I really hope the accolades are worth it. <sighs> it's annoying. So yeah, um... I'm not going to jump on the pro-Mike McCarthy bandwagon after he did his interview, and I'm certainly not going to jump on the pro-Tyler Dunn is a hero, one of the greatest sports writers of all time bandwagon, because I think that this is just uh, gossip magazine trash. Some of this could be inf- good information, I don't know, but I mean, the more you read through it, it's it's just, I don't know, it's, that's just, that's what it is, man, it's, it's, it's gossip, it's not helpful, but whatever, it's, it's information that he got, and, um, he views it as true. He wrote an article. That's what it is. I'll leave it at that. So I want to continue on with what I've been doing. 
which is uh, starting to create my list. What I've decided is rather than doing a top 10 list, since I'm not scouting, it's not really a matter of time. It doesn't take that much longer to just fill it all the way out. I'm just adding as many um, prospects as I can. So I added, so the full list right now, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, tackles, guards, centers, edge rushers, linebackers, safeties, and I'm planning on doing corners next. But I've got 31 running backs on this list. So again, uh, this is available to all my uh, Patreon subscribers. You can get in there for as little as a buck a month. And this is, by the time this is done, I mean, it's going to be 30, 40 guys per position. There's going to be hundreds. Uh, I mean, it's, it's basically going to be a, a scouting guide or a scouting report, which wasn't exactly my intention, but uh, that's what it's going to be. And again, buck a month is all you got to do. Link is in the description if you want to get involved in my Patreon. Just head over there. Uh, feel free to just do the lowest tier if you want. If you want to help support the, the podcast, feel free to, add, you know, I got 5, 10, whatever. But anyways, I want to run through this quickly because one of the fun things about doing this, and I, I'm going to be tweaking, because basically, as I've said, what I try to do is pick out the most important characteristics and then attribute how important is that. I think uh, starting, I, I want to start on this next year because I, you can do a lot with this. One of the things I'd like to do is, is find a common grading scale. In other words, make it perhaps out of each one out of 50. So give each position 50 points, break it down as to what's most important. That way you can form one big, big board. Because right now it, the, 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 the points are not interrelatable. Some guys might have 10 points, other guys might have 87 points. It's just you can't build a board that way. The other cool thing that you could do is make it based on which position is most important. So you can make quarterbacks out of 100 total points, whereas you can make a punter out of, I don't know, 40 points or something. You see what I'm saying? So then you have a board. So you can have separate boards. You can have one big board just based on talent. Then you can have a separate board based on the exact same information, but it ranks it based on, you know, uh, positional prominence. I don't know. So you're going to have quarterbacks higher. You're going to have running backs a little bit lower. And, and ideally what that'll result in is a board that is more realistic toward when a person would be drafted. So I, I'm, I'm excited about this, but it, it's going to, again, I'm starting it way too late. I need to, to have had this developed over the course of a year. So by next year, this is going to be frog and awesome. But anyways, again, this needs to be tweaked, but I just want to run through this because the cool thing about this is that there's going to be names that seem out of place. And that just means I need to check these guys out. So the first guy that I knew was going to be really high, and I have watched him because he's off the charts as far as PFF is concerned. There's really not going to be, you know, I want to tweak this so that it's similar to a lot of other boards because these are guys that have done a lot of work. They've done a lot of scouting. They know how it should be. I'm just kind of trying to do this as best as I can on the fly. But Daryl Henderson out of Memphis is just off the charts. Uh, he is He has the highest grade. He's got an 84.6, which again is just sort of a number. But the next highest is 82, which is Darwin Thompson out of Utah State. That's a name that I had not watched or paid much attention to. And then comes Josh Jacobs' next highest at 74.6. So again, you can see the, the disparity, 84, 82, 74. And that's kind of when it's, that's sort of the normal range. After that, it's 74, 74, 72, 71, 71, 70, 70. So that's just kind of a typical range that slowly goes up or down from there. But 84 and 82, Daryl Henderson out of Memphis and Darwin Thompson are way off the charts. So looking at Daryl Henderson, here's what we've got. So if you haven't listened before, one of the things I always do is strength of schedule because I want to incorporate at least a little bit. I don't weight this too heavily, but I want to incorporate where you went to school because it does matter, right? If you are a running back for Alabama compared to being a running back for, I don't know, Florida State, which I think is the lowest on this list, it makes a difference, right? You're going up against lesser competition, so it should be weighted a little bit differently. But he went to Memphis, so we got a 7 out of 10 for that. Um, I've got his PFF grades, his run grade, receiving grade, and pass blocking grade. Again, I weight those differently. Run grade, obviously, is, is a lot higher because that's the most important thing. Receiving is a lot lower, and then blocking is lower than receiving, but also very important, right? And I also try to weight this toward what the Packers like, which is hard because I don't really know Lafleur's tendencies. But I know typically you want guys, or the Packers historically have liked three down backs. In, a, in order to be a three down back, you got to run, you got to catch, you got to block. Um, his elusiveness score, uh, which is something that is proprietary to PFF, he is off the charts. Him and Darwin Thompson, which is why both of these guys are so high. Uh, there are several running backs that are over 100. Joshua Jacobs, for example, is, or Josh Jacobs. I wrote him in a long time ago as Joshua Jacobs, so that's what I call him. It's probably annoying for some people. But anyways, he's got a 109.8. Daryl Henderson is 156.3. Darwin Thompson is 176.6. So Darwin Thompson, as far as his elusiveness, is just ridiculous. Um, breakaway percentage, which is just a percentage based on how many times you break away on a given play, 
Daryl Henderson is 70.8%. 70. Darwin Thompson is 50.5. Both of those are kind of crazy. And yes, those are the two highest of anybody. Actually, I'm sorry. I should just sort this table so I stop saying things incorrectly. Uh, Kadri Olison, Pittsburgh, 51.6. He's 24th on my list. We probably won't be talking about him. Otherwise, I did add in uh, yards per carry because I do like adding production in. I weighted that a little bit lower just because there's a lot that goes into yards per carry. But I did want that element of production to be brought in because it does matter. Uh, Daryl Henderson, 8.3 yards per carry. Yes, that is the highest of anybody. Uh, Darwin Thompson, 6.9, almost 7 yards, extremely high on that list. So again, in almost every category, they're higher than everything. So it doesn't matter how I weight it. These guys are always going to be at the top because they're just higher in every category. And then there's... um. There's another metric that they have, I think is new this year. I don't remember seeing it before, and I don't remember seeing it on the NFL PFF. I wonder if they're going to be adding that or if it's already added. But there's a metric that says percentage not tackled on first contact. So the number of times when you don't go down the first time, which I thought was kind of a cool metric. I weighted it kind of, a lot of these I do kind of small, just because it all is going to add up. But I just wanted it incorporated because that is kind of important. So everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of these guys are, are relatively similar, especially toward the top, right at around 40%. And uh, Daryl Henderson and Darwin Thompson are both right there. 40.2 for Daryl Thompson, uh, or excuse me, Daryl Henderson, 41.7 for Darwin Thompson, 42.1 for Joshua Jacobs, Josh Jacobs. So they all did pretty well there. Finally, uh, relative athletic score. Daryl Henderson was really, really high. A lot of these guys are not very high. Uh, Darwin Thompson, five. Actually, the fives, I don't know. Maybe the fives were me supplementing. I don't know. I didn't put the, the red box in there. But Josh Jacobs, 5.69 is not great. David Montgomery, who was uh, a really talented running back, only a 4.12. So not super great. But again, Daryl Henderson just killed it. 8.35 is pretty high. Uh, the guys that really stood out as far as relative athletic score, if you're looking for guys that are you know high up on this list, uh, Alex Barnes out of Kansas State absolutely killed it, 9.82. Miles Sanders out of Penn State, 9.49. Justice Hill, Oklahoma State, 9.34. And then finally, uh, Divine Ozigbo out of Nebraska, 9.06. Some other eights mixed in there or whatever, but um, otherwise that's about it. So yeah, as far as my personal homework, um, I'm, I'm going to watch Daryl Henderson again just because that's it just keeps sticking out in my mind as far as how talented he is across the board. I'm not sure why he's not considered a, a bigger prospect. I keep seeing him, like, I don't know, third round. But, you know, given his talent and, and, again, every metric that I can find, he's near the top. I just, I don't know what exactly it is. But uh, Darwin Thompson, that's the guy that uh, I have not heard hardly anything about. Utah State, definitely going to want to check that guy out. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly run through the whole list. Again, if you want to look at this, I've got all of the PFF grades, not exactly as they are in PFF because I don't want to just give their numbers away, but I've given you know, comparable grades to what they are anyway, so you can kind of see where people rank based on their PFF uh, run grade, receiving grade, blocking grade, strength of schedule, elusiveness grade, breakaway grade, yards per carry, all that stuff you can see for each of these guys. Use it as a reference. Use it on draft day. But the list as I have it currently, and again, I'm going to be continuing to tweak, tweak this, Daryl Henderson, Darwin Thompson, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Kareth White, James Williams, Miles Sanders, Bryce Love, Jalen Moore, Divina Zigbo, Devin Singletary, Jordan Scarlett, Travion Williams, Damian Harris, Elijah Holyfield, Travis Homer, Justice Hill, Ryquel Armstead, Karen Higdon, Higdon, Alexander Madison, Dexter Williams, Mike Weber, Eris Williams, Kadri Olison, Benny Snell, Demaria Crockett, Alex Barnes, Miles Gaskin, Jock Patrick, Nick Brissett, and L.J. Scott. So there you have it. And, and, and listen, if you don't want to pay to have access to this and just want to call in and ask some questions like, hey, I'm just curious, I really like this guy, I really like Benny Snell, I really like Miles Gaskin, why are they so low on your list? Right? Why is Justice Hill 17th on your list? He's really good, I like him. What What is so terrible about him? I'll be happy to uh, reference those kinds of things for you. But anyways, again, um, got running backs done. Be sure to check that out for all my Patreon fellows and folk heroes. I don't know. I just say things. All right, so I want to uh, try to get as many of these questions knocked out as I can because I want to get caught up. But I do want to start with the last one I got because it does pertain to the article. This actually just came in um, about 15 minutes ago. Very appropriately timed. So here is the question, and it's absolutely perfect because I feel like I said this verbatim. But it says, I wish they'd put an end to this Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy drama. It's time for the fans and sports writers to move on. My thoughts are most of the blame goes on Ted Thompson's poor drafts and McCarthy's unwillingness to adapt to the modern NFL offense and move on from poor coaches. 
What are your thoughts? Well, you kind of heard my thoughts. And for, I, I think, you know, th- there's more thoughts to be had on it, and there are potential implications, as I said, but there's no point getting into it now. Maybe it'll crop up during the season. But yeah, I, I think if you boil it down to what actually matters, what matters is the coach and the GM. We had a coach that wasn't working for whatever reason. We had a GM that wasn't getting the job done for whatever reason. They needed to be replaced. They have been replaced. And the success of Gutekunst and LaFleur is going to be the story that matters moving forward. That's it. Now, people seem to forget the good stuff. There's been a lot of good stuff. Let me just bring you back for a little bit. This is an article written by Tom Silverstein of the journal Sentinel. January 31st, 2015. This is written shortly after Mike McCarthy's younger brother just passed away. Quote, The Packers' overtime loss to the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC Championship game and the acceptance of a second most valuable player award took a backseat for a moment when quarterback Aaron Rodgers scanned the crowd at the NFL Honor Ceremony. Rodgers had just accepted the MVP award from Denver quarterback Peyton Manning and was getting ready to give his speech when coach Mike McCarthy caught his eye in the audience. This is now a quote within the article from Aaron Rodgers about this. I was spanning the crowd for my speech and I saw him and I mainly got choked up because Mike and I are so close and I forgot the rest of my planned speech because all I could think about was seeing him. I wasn't at the funeral, but seeing him and knowing what he went through and talking to him a little bit and how difficult it is to lose a younger brother. Paints a little bit of a different picture, doesn't it? 13 years, man. A lot of stuff goes on. There are negative things. And again, if you boil it all down, it's gonna, if, you, if you take all the negative and boil it down into one article, it's going to sound horrible. It would not be that hard to find instances like this that not only paint Aaron Rodgers as a good person with good emotions, but paints a picture of Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy having a very, very close relationship. Again, what matters is that Matt LaFleur is able to orchestrate an offense that maximizes the talents within the Green Bay Packers and secondarily, possibly even primarily, the GM, Brian Gutekunst, needs to fill this team with talent. He has to knock this draft out of the park. We've seen it happen time and time again. Where where, where teams, look at the Seattle Seahawks. I think they've done a terrible job drafting over the last several years, but there was that one time knocked it out of the park, and they dominated the NFC and the NFL for the most part for years. The Saints came out of nowhere and are absolutely dominant. Why? Because of one primarily really good draft. Gutekunst has made some moves in this offseason. We've got a draft stacked with picks. We have a young, brilliant, motivated coach who has stacked this team with young, brilliant assistant coaches. Now it's just all got to come together. That's it. There's nothing else to talk about. We don't need to read the gossip magazines or the gossip column by Tyler Dunn over at the Bleacher Report. The focus is, was, has been, should be, and needs to be back on the draft. So let's get back to it. That's why that's why I talked about the article, and then guess what? We talked about running back prospects. Seems like a clunky transition, but I transitioned from something that doesn't matter to something that matters a lot more. The reason the Packers have been bad is because a couple bad drafts can plunge you into the depths of darkness for years. A couple of good drafts can make you a Super Bowl champion in the blink of an eye. And that moment, this pivotal moment for this team that is going to have ripple effects for years to come, this draft is in a couple weeks. This is infinitely more important than some gossip column from Tyler Dunn from Bleacher Report. So you are absolutely correct. Time to move on. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going through, working my way backwards now through these uh, through these text messages, and Jim from Florida sent me some fishing pictures. Technically, that is not what this is for, Jim, but I appreciate it, and I think next time you're up this way catching bass that big, you should probably give me a call because that is a that is a slob. That's a pig, man. Anyways, what's next? Uh, Nate has some quarterback questions. I think I'm going to wait on that, Nate. Maybe send me a reminder tomorrow because that's kind of a big one. All right, I got it. This is from uh, Andy on Tuesday. So th- there's two things I want to bring up. One is not your question, which is sort of my MO, and I apologize for hijacking your question and answering something you didn't ask. But the first part was about not going in all uh, going all in this year. And uh, f- for reference, because I'm not playing it, Andy had kind of talked about how it doesn't seem like we're necessarily going in all in this year. However, I, I don't necessarily also think that we should just primarily focus on next year. And anyways, it kind of got me thinking about something Brian Gutekunst had said 
which is that we go all in every year, which technically is kind of a throwaway line, but there is some truth to it. Every year is a year to try to maximize your talents so that you can win a Super Bowl, but you also understand that there is there is a risk assessment that's being done. So here is kind of the way that I will, this is the analogy I think I'm going to use going forward because it's kind of how I see this. I do think it tends to be somewhat of a risk analysis because the more you spend this year, the less you have for next year. When you look to retire and you start a, an account, say you want to invest, the thing that they usually will tell you just in a general sense, and I apologize to any financial advisors that are listening that are cringing at uh, the advice I'm giving, which by the way is not advice. I'm not giving advice. I'm just telling you what I've heard. Typically, when you're younger, you can be more risky with your investments. In other words, closer to 100% in the stock market because you can weather the volatility because over the course of time, it's going to go up, I don't know, whatever it is, 11% over the course of however many years. So if you're 18 years old and you're starting an account, you can go very heavily into the stock market. Some people even as high as 100%. Again, not advice. I just know that that's a thing. As you get older, you want to slowly start taking that percentage and rolling it over into safer things that are not going to be as volatile. They're not going to give you the same kind of return, but they're not as volatile because you can't weather. I mean, if if you're 85 years old and you have all your money in the stock market and it tanks, you're in a world of hurt. So you pretty much pretty well at 85. Well, you're probably drawing, but whatever. Don't want to get too lost in the analogy. You want to make sure it's just kind of sitting somewhere and it's not, you're not going to lose any of it. I think that's kind of the, the concept with all in. You're always going all in, in in the fact that you want to maximize your return or whatever. But I think it's a question of how risky do you want to be. So no team is ever going to 100% do something to the detriment of next year. Likewise, you, you probably don't get a lot of teams, probably don't have any team, although we can debate the merits, that 100% just throw a season because they want to go all in next year. Because... and I, Again, I don't want to get lost here, but I I had heard, which was a question of mine, there is no limit to the rollover, which just blows my mind that there isn't a team out there that says, we're not spending any money. There are teams that legitimately have 70, 80, 90, 100,000, or 100, excuse me, 100 million dollars in cap space and are rushing out to try to spend it. If if I'm a GM, it would be hard to not just kind of wonder, like, maybe we just don't spend any, and next year we have 200 million dollars to spend. See how that works out for us. We'll just buy literally everybody. But anyways, that that's kind of where I'm at. So when I'm saying the Packers aren't going all in, I'm saying they're they're being a little bit more safe. They're pushing. They do want to maximize their return, but they're playing it safe to the point that they want to make sure that they're in a good position, that in 2020, 2021, that they're in a really good spot then, in the future. Because you know, let's face it, it's not going to probably happen. I'm not, I'm not talking the Packers. I'm talking about just as a general rule. If it's just clearly not going to happen this year, yeah, I mean, of course you're going to invest. You're going to try to do something to build this team, but you're primarily looking toward next year and the year after that. Whereas certain teams, you look at like the Patriots or, you know, the Chiefs or whatever, where it's like you know, the Saints who are about to lose their quarterback, The you know, whatever. One of these days, anyways, you, you realize it's a window that's closing, and we got to run through it, or we're just—it's just going to close in, in our face. So you raise your risk. Anyways, that wasn't the question; it was just a thought I had. And the question—I'll be honest—I—I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just slow, man. I'm, I'm having trouble sometimes understanding exactly what the question is. But it's within that context of not necessarily going in all—all all in this year. Maybe focusing on the future, but not neglecting this year. I think is kind of what we're talking about. But the, the specific question is, which player do you think in 2019 will best complement certain positions, given that context? So again, I'm going to answer it assuming I know what you mean without actually entirely knowing what you mean. In other words, what I'm going to be answering is, which players maybe are a little bit more of an eye toward the future, but still can make a big impact this year? That's the question I'm going to answer. If I got it wrong, hit me up tomorrow and let me know what you really want to know. So the, the, the challenge, I think, with the question... Or not even the challenge, the way that I would approach this is to maybe move backward. If we're looking toward the future, I want to eliminate a few things. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, just, just to kind of find maybe the, the perfect right answer. So for example, I'm going to eliminate cornerback because a lot of our corners are very young. And if I'm trying to invest in the future, I'm maybe looking toward a position group that maybe we need a little bit of help, but more importantly, we're going to need some help in the future. So I'm going to eliminate cornerback, I'm going to eliminate quarterback, I think I'm going to take outside linebacker off of the list just because 
whatever we have is what we're going to have for the next four years because the guys that we signed are four-year contracts. So that's not going to be expiring anytime soon. Uh, we could probably remove running back. I think that's about it. And actually, let me just say this, and it sounds like a boring answer, and if something comes to me in the meantime that's a little bit better, um, I'll go with it. But I, I really think the perfect-ish answer, and I'm going to stick with this one prospect, although there could be better options, um, but it would be somebody like Jonah Williams. Because as I've said about Jonah Williams, it's a guy that can come in and start as a guard. In other words, he is going to help us this year. It's not, I don't care about the future. Like, for example, Jeffrey Simmons, who probably isn't going to play. That's entirely next year, nothing this year. But the major impact for Jonah Williams isn't in 2019, although it is a big impact. The major impact comes in the future when we kick him outside the guard by allowing uh, Bach, or excuse me, by allowing Brian Balaga to leave without having to pay him a massive contract, which might happen if we don't solidify that tackle position, allowing him to leave, allowing a guy like Jonah or whoever to slide in at that spot, maybe a guy like Dillard, and that's when he really starts to shine. Now, the the, the negative to that answer is that how much of a, a an impact is it really compared to where we're at now? In other words, what is his impact at guard? Not nearly as much as tackle. How much of his impact at tackle? Well, it's high, but how much compared to Balaga? Not that much. But that's that's sort of my gut reaction to go that route. The only other thing that really comes to mind would be maybe defensive line. And again, li- listen, safety is important, but it's going to be as important this year as next year. Wide receiver this year and next year, same exact thing. The only other thing I can think is to find a, a developmental prospect. And I don't even want to talk about that because I'm so sick of hearing about developmental prospects. Because all that means is they're bad this year, and then you expect them to be good next year, and then a lot of times they're just not. But the the defensive line is an area where, you know, it's it's maybe stacked now, but how long is it going to be stacked? So if you get a guy like, let's say, Jerry Tillery, who is somebody I like a lot, you know, he can come in and uh, kind of just be a guy for now. But then in the future, let's say we maybe we don't keep the contract or extend the contract or, you know, re-sign Mike Daniels which I, at this point I hope we do, but it gives us that flexibility to where if we can't afford it or don't want to afford it and move on, he would be a massive piece because we need that. Because what is now considered a strength in a very short period of time could end up being a weakness. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll say Jerry Tillery, but you could also, you could go a lot higher than that. You could, you, could, you could say Ed Oliver, I'm not necessarily going to because I have my concerns. Just as far as being well-rounded. I mean, he's going to come, if he comes in with those two, that's an awesome pick. But I'm, if I'm looking at your specific question and saying, how can he impact even more, let's say, in the next year or in the coming years, it's going to be because a guy like Mike Daniels leaves. And then if you have Kenny Clark and you're relying on Ed Oliver to be a, a solid guy that's not only just a really good pass rusher, but is also great against the run, can take on double teams, whatever, two-gap, you got some concerns there. If you wanted to get super crazy, fine. We trade up and get Quinn and Williams. There you go. So, anyways, I hope I answered your question. It's a very good question. I'll have to, to think about it, see if, if anything comes to mind. I'll talk about it tomorrow, but I have got to get going. Hope you all have a fantastic Friday. Oh, man, there goes there goes the voice. Coffin fit. Have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.